You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The NBA season is upon us Finally, and here on the Blazer Focus Podcast, we're going to preview the Blazers season as well as the rest of the NBA. I'm Aaron Fentress, joined by Aron Johannes, our trending uh, reporter who does a phenomenal job. And the best thing he does from my perspective is he takes stuff off my plate. I thank you so much for that, man, because... You, but you also know you, we even get the big clips too, so you're you're not dumb about it. <laughs> so, but uh, much. always happy to help. <laughs> but uh, you know the NBA very well. You've covered the Bucks. You're a big Bucks fan, and of course, you do a lot of turning stories on the Bucks. And because of that, you follow the Blazers as well. So I'm happy and glad to have you on here with me to take some of the weight off my back as we preview this season. First of all, before we get to the Blazers, let's just give you an opportunity to. You know, gloat a little bit because this is the first time in your life you're coming into an NBA season as a defending champion. So real quickly, before we dive into the Blazers, how are you feeling about your Bucks? Are they going to repeat? I'm feeling great. And um, I know this is a podcast audience, but I always feel special that, you know, because we're recording this, I had to break out my good friend, oh. mini Larry O'Brien, my little replica trophy He's that got people a can't mini see. golden Larry O'Brien trophy. He's flashing. But I'm very excited about this season, man. There's a, there's a lot of different storylines to follow from, you know, beyond the Bucks to um, watching them go back this season. I think I think the Bucks do have a chance to repeat. It's going to be tough, but I'm excited. This whole summer has been fun. It's been good to kind of bask in a little bit and, you know, talk my trash, walk around with this trophy, walk <laughs> wait, around wait, with the championship. You walk year. around with it? With the trophy? I take this I've take I've taken this little trophy with me to okay. various places. You realize you're not actually a Buck player, right? Absolutely. But it doesn't matter. But No, it doesn't. No, I take it around with me at like certain places, mainly just around friends to, you know, talk my trash a little bit more. But you show up at friends. Like I'm not taking it. You show up at people's houses with the trophy. You show up at friends' houses with the trophy and put it like on the counter or something and go and then lean by it going, yep, my team won this. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I'm not taking it like to the, I'm not taking it to like the grocery store (laughs) or anything like that. That's a little bit too much. But I have taken this around like friends to like social guys gatherings and stuff like that because i've had a lot of people talking a lot of mess to me the last like few years man this is the time where i am just going all in as much as possible so one friend of mine yeah i had like one friend of mine tell me last season that the bucks won't win a finals yet alone make a finals with the trio of drew chris and and Giannis. and guess what we won it so you know it's those types of moments this is this is a once in a lifetime opportunity so i'm I'm taking full advantage of this as much as possible, and it's been fun. Okay, I'll I'll make a note in my Iran profile. Bad winner. Okay, duly noted. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start this off by talking. Well, first of all, just I do think the Bucks are going to at least repeat as East champions. We'll get to more of that later because the East is completely dysfunctional. We'll talk about that with Kyrie and Ben Simmons. But anyway, we're going to start this off with the Blazers since this is the Blazer Focus podcast. And they had a disastrous preseason from, you know, a, com- a competition standpoint. They went 0 4. I can't, I could, I went back as far as I could on preseason schedules for the Blazers and I went back 20 years and couldn't find an 0 for preseason. I think they won one game before last year. They only won one. Uh, they got blown out. In almost every game, I think the Kings game was decently, relatively close. Uh, but, you know, preseason is just preseason. You've covered preseasons. Should fans care at all about the nature of the scores and, and the fact that they didn't look good in any of the four preseason games other than spotty stretches here and there? 
I wouldn't give too much to preseason. I think more so with preseason, especially when you have a, a new head coach, it's more so about just seeing how players are fitting in still, how, you know, I mean, like Damian Lillard still is going to look like Damian Lillard, right? You're going to look at different rookies and you're going to evaluate them and things like that. But as a team as a whole, this is really a time, just like in the NFL, for example, where teams just try a whole bunch of stuff. They're going to try different um, different plays, different formations and stuff like that. And they really just want to experiment for different scenarios to get ready for the regular season. So I never really buy into much in the preseason. It's kind of just a thing where you do want to evaluate how players look and just the feel of things a little bit and things like that. Maybe the speed of how games are going and whatnot. But I wouldn't go too much into like the wins or the losses it's really more of a time for experimenting and kind of trying things out like that so i think for the blazers this is more so a test that was more so a test period as they get ready now for the first season of the chauncey billups and and hopefully they got some things that they can learn from and take from the preseason that they get to try out and roll it out to the regular season regular season exactly i mean there's some weird things that came out of the preseason one i mean this isn't weird this is pretty normal but it it speaks to I think a lot about what we're talking about where the wins and losses and the, and the margin of victory don't matter much is that Lillard played 48 minutes in the preseason out of 192, right? So if, if he's playing 12 minutes a game, he didn't play at all in two games, really. Yeah. You're going to lose a lot of games that, you know, any, any team is going to do that when they lose their best player uh, or don't have their best player. So that's one. Two, they were last in three point shooting at about 26%. This is one of the best three point shooting teams in the league. They have seven guys on the roster who are going to shoot 37% or better. That's that's a lot, and probably three or four will be over forty based on their careers. Uh, also, it, they had one of the best offenses in the league last year. This year in the preseason, the offense was down the bottom three <clears throat> in terms of overall production and rating uh, and, and turnovers. My gosh, I mean they they were last in turnovers, giving up I think a turnover, turning over the ball like twenty three, twenty four times a game. Last year they were only at eleven. Uh, so there were some things that went on in the preseason that are just not going to happen in the regular season. And some of these blowout wins, if the games meant anything. Dame and CJ would take over, you know, like in the Phoenix game, they got blasted 119-74. Well, Dame and CJ scored 23 points. Had that game been a real game, those guys would have scored more earlier and kept it from getting out of hand, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't put much stock in that. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains continuing on because they're still learning a new system, a new coaching staff. You got some new players they, they have to mix in. So there's going to be some nights coming up, I believe, where they're going to get rocked. Like, you know, like it's just going to happen. It happened last year early on too when they were trying new stuff and had new players. So it's going to happen. But last year, just Denver in the end of the preseason, they got completely destroyed. They were one and three in the preseason, then lost to Utah by 20 to open the season. And then a couple of nights later, they beat the Lakers at LA, you know, and then they ended up finishing the season tied for the eighth best record. So I take it all with a grain of salt, but I expect a lot of growing pains. But the pains, but the thing is, they have to stick with the new stuff. They have to just accept the bad losses here and there, accept some of the mistakes, and do whatever they can to fix that defense. Because if you back away from the complexities of some of the new defensive schemes, because you're losing, then you're never going to get better at it. And at the end of the season, you're still going to be mediocre. And they have to fix the defense, no matter what. Now your team went through a little bit. But a little bit of this as well. They are doing some new defensive stuff that maybe hurt early, but then later paid off. Correct? Yeah, exactly. I think that um, the the Bucks have kind of over the years. Like I remember the first year that Jason Kidd took over, the Bucks were like really great defensively. Like that first half of that season, they were just everywhere. And then the second half, it just kind of like came down back down to normal. The teams eventually kind of figure them out and whatnot. Um, and sometimes that, that could be the case with new coaches too. When you have a new defensive system or new offensive system, it takes time for teams around the league to kind of adapt to it. And then I don't want to say teams necessarily figure them out, but they kind of get used to it, right? Like you, you have more film on them. You have more, um, you have more to look at to kind of evaluate and how to plot to um, get past defenses and things like that too. So it'll be probably similar to that. I think in Portland where, you know, I think they'll have some really good nights and then they'll probably have some really bad nights. But I think at this point with the new coaching staff, as long as you kind of stick to what has been working for them the last few years, which is, I mean, scoring the basketball right now, defensively, you want to see that improvement, but you still have Damian Lillard. You still have CJ McCollum too, you know, the best scoring backcourt guards in the league. Um, those are the guys that, you know, are, are the focal point of your team. As long as they're scoring the basketball, I still think even with the new coaching staff and trying to get implemented right now, that they can still be able to, um, kind of right the ship or kind of, as they try to get adjusted at this beginning part of the season uh, with the new coaching staff. Agreed. Uh, for me, the only thing that I would say was a red flag were the couple of times where Billups has talked about a lack of effort 
He was disappointed in the effort. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm going to have zero tolerance for that. <laughs> yeah. that anyway. You don't have to have, to, you don't have, to have talent for effort. Well, and that was one of the big problems about last year was a lack of accountability and effort on defense, right? So if you move off of stops because the defense is bad and there's accountability issues regarding effort, and players talk last year sometimes about how the effort wasn't always there, which just drove me nuts. It's like you guys are making between 5 and $40 million per person. There's no effort. Um, but now since you brought in a coach who's supposed to make this team more accountable, demand effort, and everyone on the team says they've bought into that, if you lose by 20, fine. Don't lose by 20 and say you gave poor effort. <laughs> because if yeah. I'm a fan like, and I'm invested in this emotionally, I'd just be livid. Like, no, no. Lose because of execution. Lose because the other team's better. Do not lose because of a lack of effort. And if it is a lack of effort, don't say it publicly anymore because it just makes everyone look bad as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's a tough thing to say. I mean, it's kind of one of those cliches when you kind of think about it with athletes speak where they're just like, you know, the effort just wasn't there and things like that. But when you really think about it, that is kind of like concerning to hear as like a fan to hear like, oh, we didn't win tonight because you guys didn't play hard enough. Right. Like you should be probably playing hard enough every single night, right? Yeah. Um, versus just saying, hey, they just out executed us. They were smarter. They were hitting better shots, things like that. That's stuff I think that people can mainly live with and kind of feel okay with if you lose 25 by 25 to like the Hornets or something like that. If you just say, hey, they were just making shots and executing compared to just saying, hey, we just didn't have any effort tonight against the Orlando Magic. Like that, 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 that might not be okay with most people. So that, I mean, so that should be something that they definitely clean up because that's not something that, like, like I said earlier, you know, that talent, you don't have to have talent for effort. Exactly. Everybody can put an effort, regardless of how good you are. As long as you can put an effort, everybody should be able to do that. Exactly. So. It's a long season. You're going to have nights where you're just off. The other team's on and you get routed. It just, it's inevitable. And you're going to do the same thing to other people. You're going to have nights when you're fatigued, and then maybe that impacts your ability to give max effort. That's different. Like, okay, we're just, we, we played three games in four nights. Now we're playing a yep. really good team who's just had a night off. We're lethargic, et cetera, et cetera. Guys are just worn. That happens. That's acceptable. But, you know, the, I want to see when, starting tomorrow night, I want to see every defensive possession that they're going all out to at least be disruptive and challenge shots. Don't give up just blatantly wide open threes because you're lazy in your rotations and things like that. That's what I want to see. And that's what Billups has said he's going to demand. So then we in the media have to hold Billups accountable for demanding that from the players because that was all the talk all, all summer. And that's what Neil O'Shea talked about was accountability and defensive performance. So. We need to see that. Um, the other thing, too, I'll add also is just uh, tendencies. Like, if, you know, those 25 blowout games are going to happen, right? They're in the midst of a season. Not every team is going to, you know, win 73 games or something like that. There's, those games are going to happen. But it's more so about are those games happening, you know, multiple times a week? Are they happening, you know, on back-to-backs or things like that? Or you're trying to figure out the tendencies of when those performances happen. Because if it's a common theme, that that is not a good thing to have you know, no effort all the time. But, you know, if you're in the middle of a seven game, you're on a seven game road trip, you know, and you have the last game in Phoenix or something like that, and you guys get blown out, like that is a more, I think that's more reasonable because you're just looking at the stretch that you're enduring, right? right. But if you are starting, you know, just a regular one game homestand after three games off or three days off and you're having a blowout, like that's not acceptable. That's not the good tendency that you want to have too. So those are the things that are also important to monitor during the season as well. Exactly. So I'm going to assume the the defense is going to be better just because it can't really be worse. I mean, they were 29th. I guess they they could be 30th, but I don't see that happening. But they return their starting same starting five that ended the season against Denver: CJ, Damian Lillard, Norman Powell, Yusuf Nurkic, and Covington. So the plus to what you could well, I should say, where they're going to be better than they were, I think, last year at the end of the season is that Powell's now been with the team the entire offseason. He knows the offense as well as anyone else because they have a new coaching staff. He's been given a role within the offense, whereas when he came in last year in the last two months, he even said numerous times that he just was trying to find his spots, you know, in between what Dame and CJ were doing. It's almost like a singer, a new lead singer had joined New Edition. You know, you have to find a, find your spots with Ralph Tresman and Johnny Gill as the lead singers, right? <laughs> you're probably like, you know what New Edition is, right? I mean, you're, you're younger than Yeah, me, exactly. You know I'm, I'm not about. that young. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> anyway, um, so, and it was kind of tough for him. But now he knows what his role is within the offense. They're going to use an offense that's not going to be 
as three ball dominant in terms of early in the shot clock and jacking up contested threes. Allegedly, there was some of that still in the preseason, but that's the goal to improve their overall efficiency, which is still really good last year. I think they were fourth in defensive rating. And Yusuf Nurkic is happy and healthy, and he is in shape. Like He looks fantastic. He looks way trimmer and more in shape than he did at the start of last season. And he's he's pumped up about the new offense, which is going to give him opportunities to be more creative, both in the, with his passing and with his uh, uh, scoring repertoire. So he's happy. So there's a lot of room for improvement there. But then also the bench, they improved the bench defensively. Um, Cody Zeller, backup center, is a way better defender than Ennis Cantor was or is. Larry Nance Jr. was a huge get, I think, because he's a guy who can play the four or the five. He gives you defense, and he's a good passer, and he's unselfish, and he likes to do the dirty work, setting screens, getting there, banging for rebounds. And then someone like Ben McLemore is a backup guard along with Anthony Simons. Those guys can shoot the lights out. So I like their bench where it is. So for me personally, I think this this team could win 50 maybe. What do you think? I still have them around where they were last year in terms of around like 40, 45. I, I see them around that. But they were 42 and 30 in a 70-game season. So they have 10 more games this year. So Probably for, between 45 and 50, I'd say. Okay. I, I, think, I still think 50 would be kind of tough, but I, I see them around 45 to 50 um, for the season. The thing to me that's tough is that I, I, I'm excited to see you know Nurk as well this season. And I think that he is, when he's healthy, he is super pivotal to their success. The thing that is still the, you know, the, the problem that has been the last few years is just his health, is his availability. Um, and at this point, it's like, you know, you know so much about their success, but it's so much of it hinges on whether or not he's available or not. And I think until you just know that he can be healthy for a full season, it's just tough to really pinpoint like major success for them. That's just kind of how I, I see it right now, where it's like, I, I have him at 45 to 50, but they can be, I think, a 50-win team if he's able to stay healthy for the majority of the season. Because um, I think he's a really good player. I mean, he's only 27, too, so he's a really good player, and I think that he really makes their team go, but his availability is, I think a lot of that hinges on whether or not he's going to be available for the majority of the season for them this season. 100%, man. Like, my 50-win prediction is assuming Nurkic is healthy for most of the season. He missed 35 games last year, and CJ missed 25, and they still won 42 out of 30. Excuse me, 42 out of 70. Yeah. And that was tied for the eighth-best record in the league and tied for fifth in the West. Like I think some people forget that, that they were actually a, a pretty strong team despite losing a combined 60 games from those two and then not getting Powell till late in the season. But, yes, Nurkic to me, if Nurkic can be what he was at the bubble when he was like 21 and – 11 or 20 and 11 or something like that. And he was playing yeah, 30. That'd be major for him. If he's that, they're going to win 50 easily because Dame, CJ, and, and Powell are going to all be good, obviously. And then you have a big man presence yeah. like that who's there and he's a really good plus defender as well. Then to me, 50 is a given almost. Um, but you're right. I mean, who's to say that's going to happen? He hasn't been fully healthy since the 2000, his first, well, when he first came to the Blazers, the second half of the season in 16, 17, because the next year, you know, 17, 18, he was pretty healthy. And then 18, 19 was when he broke his leg. And then, of course, that held him out until the bubble. And then last year, he missed 35. So it's a big if with him. It's always been. But if he is healthy, then they're going to be a different animal and, and a force to be reckoned with, I believe, in the West. Like, they could be a third seed. I think that's completely possible. I think the other – I will say the other addition that I really did like this season, I didn't really like too many of the Blazers' moves this offseason. And I'll be honest about that. I didn't think that – I wasn't a big fan of many of them, but I really do like the sign or the acquisition of Larry Nash Jr. I, I like that move a lot for them, especially um, with him coming off the bench for them. I, I really think that was. I think the NBA GM survey had it as like one of the best moves of the offseason. I, mm. I remember I wrote a story about that, and I can't remember if it was either the best one or like one of the most underrated. But I, I really do like that move for them as well in their rotation. And like you said, I think a, a lot of this really just depends on Nurk and their health for the season. But like you mentioned, last year they were banged up and they still won 42 games and they still were able to make the playoffs. So I, I think that if they're able to get stay mainly healthy this season when you have CJ, Dame, uh, Norm Powell coming back with a full offseason under his belt as well, and now he kind of knows his role, I do think they can they can really have some good success this season. The tough thing, though, also beyond them having to stay healthy Say, man, the Western Conference is good. 
<laughs> it's this the Western Conference is just really good, man. It's really tough for them to. They, I think they can certainly make the playoffs, but the West is so good, and you just don't know how high they can climb because they have Utah, there's Phoenix, there's Denver, L.A., um, the Clippers, and um, the Lakers, and then Dallas. You know, you look at Golden State. Golden State, State will be healthy yeah, again Clay's this year too. Yep. They'll be back. You know, I think for the most part it will be the same eight teams this year, minus Memphis and subbing in Golden State. But those teams are going to be so much better, and that's going to make it really tough for Portland. I think to really jump higher in the standings. I think they could still be good, but it's going to be hard for them, hard for them to really advance higher, um, just because the West is so good, man. It's it's tough right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how you you know have a maybe a team that's going to be better defensively and better all around but going up against a conference that's stacked and other other teams who maybe were banged up last year like the Lakers are now healthy for now um and then there's teams improving with the addition of or the return of Clay to Golden State Memphis is going to be should be better since they're getting you know Jaron Jackson is healthy now and John Morant's going to be a year better etc but at the end of the day we're talking about this now based on what we see on paper now, but we all know that's all going to change because of injuries, right? For, and yeah, injuries thing, always Clip- play a role. Yeah, and the other thing, the Clippers are going to be without Kawhi until at least March. So what is that, that? Yeah, what does that do to them? Do they Are they going to even be in the top eight when Kawhi comes back? That's a huge if given the depth of the conference. So I do I do think the, the problem area for the Blazers is that they're in such a deep conference with such a – a, a run of just talented teams. And last year they stunk against good teams. There was at one point they were 0-9 against teams in the top six or something like that uh, until they finally beat – well, they, when they beat Dallas and the Dallas advanced, got better and got into the top six. That was, I think that was only their second win against a team in the top six because the Lakers had fallen out. Anyway, the point was they got blasted by those teams most of last season. <laughs> so they have to prove that they can run with those guys on a consistent basis. Um, so, you know, I'm going to say 50 wins and I'm going to say between three and five. And that depends obviously on what the rest of the conference does as well. You've already said between 45 and 50. So we're pretty close there. You are listening to the blazer focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. Probably the more interesting question about this team going into the season, though, is if things go south, is there going to be more Damian Lillard drama or an effort, a bigger effort to move CJ? So Dame says he's all in again. I believe he's all in. I believe he wants to give Chauncey a shot. But, man, let's say by the midway point, they're 18 and 22. And they're... 12, right? And you look up and you see all these deep, great teams. And you know, we're, we're the best case scenario, we're going to get into the play-in. We're probably not going to win in the play-in. So we're not going to make the playoffs. Could you see a scenario where Dame puts a little pressure on the franchise to move him or to make a huge splash trade to give them one last shot? Or do you think Dame is going to be cool riding with whatever happens and then figure things out next summer? Man, I think if they're struggling by the All-Star break, I don't think I don't see Dame as a person to come out and be like I demand a trade, trade me from here. I don't I haven't I don't I can't picture that scenario yet, but I do think it'll be a situation where he approaches them and he says, "Look, we need to, we need to make a move. We need to do something right now." And I think that they won't he I don't think he'll be okay with being at that point in the middle of the season. I think that he said over and over like he like you know, more than anything, he wants the team to improve. Like he wants things to be better. And I think that if he sees that the team is just not getting better, even with the new coaching staff, the team is just not getting better to the level that he wants. I think there is going to be some type of drama. And because not only just thinking about it from you know Dane's perspective, Blazers fans are gonna be talking about this. NBA Twitter is gonna be talking about this. People are gonna be talking about this all the time in the media in terms of the Blazers are struggling. You know, what's going on with Dame? Is it time for Dame to leave? And this and that. Like that whole entire storm that we saw after the playoff series against the Nuggets is going to reemerge again. It's going to happen. And when that happens again, he's probably going to be asked about it again. It's, you know, Billups is probably going to be asked about it again. It's going to come up again and it is going to be a theme. And I think at that point, it could be a really big issue where if they're not moving in any, any positive direction. I think it could just be that time. I, 
I have always seen like if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be at like the midway point of this season where Dame is just like, you know what, I'm giving this another shot, I'm giving this a try, but this ain't working. And it's it's time to to do something else about it. Yeah, I you know, he made grumblings this summer. They weren't over the top in terms of being super serious about, you know, getting me out, but he, he dangled it out there that now the door is open for that to be a thing. And so <clears throat> anytime there's a sign of trouble, people are going to be going to be wondering now. And for years, people never wondered because he had always said, I'm staying in Portland. I always believed that that attitude was going to change once he crossed 30, because then your biological clock as an elite player starts ticking. And if you really want to win a championship and you don't think you can win one where you are, you're going to one out, you know, and last, I did research on this last summer and last, like, I think I went back 50 years. The only two elite players that stayed with their team and did not win a championship were Reggie Miller and John Stockton. That's it. Everyone else at some point who didn't win a championship with their original team moved on someplace else. Now there are a lot of teams who stayed with one team and won championships like, you know, like Kobe did, et cetera. Uh, but at the end of the day, most of the time players move on at some point. So the idea that Dane was going to join those two never made sense to me because I, I think he was, especially in an era where players just, hey, let's go hook him over here. <laughs> let's go move over here, right? He did, they didn't right. do that back then, back in the in Miller and Stockton days. That wasn't really much of a thing. Um, so <clears throat> I believe at some point he was going to ask for a trade. And I, and I think that it's going to, when it does, if it, if it, when it does happen, it's going to be good for the Blazers too if they can get a haul back for him, shed that contract. You can still put yourself in a position to rebuild quickly if you get a lot of assets for him. Uh, I don't think, like you said, he's not going to walk into Neil O'Shea's office and say, trade me or, or else, and then disappear, right? Or pull a Ben Simmons or a James Harden and go get fat, right? He's not going to do that. <laughs> but I, I think I think the first step is going to be, all right, Neil, what we have right now is not working. I don't even care if we lose on the trade. Make some type of trade for another star that's available, even if we have to overpay for it. Because what's the alternative? Stay stay where we are and just not be a contender. Bring another higher caliber player here. Maybe we lose some assets in the process, but at least I have another star to run with and see if that can work and or move me next. I don't think it's going to happen during the season, no matter what. They could be 10 and 30. I don't think the Blazers would trade Damian Lillard this season unless the package were just unbelievable. And I don't think there's going to be a team out there that's going to have the package of assets to give up and also remain a contender, which is what Damian wants. Damian's not going to be traded to Indiana for Sabonis, right? Because now you're in a no better situation with Indiana. He's not going to go to Minnesota for Carl Anthony Towns because now you're in Minnesota and they're still going to be bad with you. So he's going to want to go somewhere where he can contend, and that team has to have the assets to give up to Portland to make the trade worth it and still be a contender. So I don't think it's going to happen this year, but next summer, I think if they can't pull off a major trade to make Damian feel like, okay, we're going to contend, I think he's going to quietly ask for a deal. And it's funny because, last point I'll make on this, <clears throat> if you listen, like Neil Olshay said, Dame basically said, Dame will always be here. You know, I'll never look to try and trade him. And then he said, as long as he's happy, and feels like we can contend. That, that there's there is you're yeah. out right there. It's 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 like in a way he's put. I don't want to say he's putting it on Dame, and that's in that way. But it's kind of like he doesn't want to trade him unless Dame comes comes to say something to him. Because right. then it's like we didn't want to trade him. Dame requested to trade, right? And that's kind of like deflecting it to him in a way. But, but it's, it's also but it's fact. <laughs> they don't I mean, trade but the, they don't want to trade. Uh, yeah. Him. They, they like they don't want to get rid of him, and uh, it's like it's such a weird situation because it's like they, they obviously don't want to trade him, but at some point you do kind of see Dame's frustration when it's just like, well, yeah, hey, I this isn't do. working. Like we got to get out of here, right? right? Um, the other thing I'll add too about Dame that I think is really unique is that I see Dame very similar to like Giannis in terms of like I remember when Giannis won the championship, he talked about how yeah, I could join a super team, yeah, I can. I could have done this and that and walked away if I wanted to, but I wanted to do it here. I genuinely really believe that Dame does want to win in oh, Portland. And he absolutely. does want to make this work so bad. And he does not want to leave this place at all. Absolutely. And I think he's really doing whatever he can as much as possible to really make it work here. And I don't I don't see Dame as one of those superstars that's gonna just walk in the office and be like, I'm done with this, get me out of here. I think he's gonna 
if it does happen, respectfully approach it to be like, hey, we have tried to make it work here, and I don't think that this is going to to happen. I don't think these moves are going in the way that I want to go. It's time to move on type of thing. It's not going to be, you know, like you said, like he's not going to show up being fat, eating a whole bunch of Bay Area food and just being fat and then just walk in and just be done with it or, you know, leave in practice or whatever the case may be. Um, I don't, I, that's not Dame as the person. So um, it's going to be a really, I think at the all-star break, if they're struggling, I think that's when the conversation will start again. And it, it will either, something will either happen at the all-star break or it will bleed into the off season where something will finally happen. Um, but that is kind of like, that's kind of like the, the marker point, I think, in this whole situation is like at the all-star break, that's when the conversation can really start to begin about what's going to happen. And I think that's when we're going to kind of see a, more of a clear picture of what's going to happen in the future between Damian and the Blazers. So let's say Damian has five seasons left, five seasons left of elite level play. You look at Chris Paul, he's obviously beyond that age. That would put Damian at 36. Um, so obviously you could play at an elite level longer than that, but Paul's not yeah. the player he was three years ago. So let's just say five. Kyle Lowry is like, Kyle Lowry is like, what, 35, 36? And he's with yeah. Miami now? Yeah. And he's, he's not the he's same player as he them. was, you know, three years ago. They're all, they're all, they're declined, but still really good. I mean, if you, when you get really, yeah. really high and you start to decline, you're still really, really good <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. But in terms of his peak powers, one of four things are going to happen. One, he wins a championship in Portland. Two, he wins a championship elsewhere. Three, he doesn't win a championship in Portland, but stays. Four, he leaves, but doesn't win a championship. Fans want either he wins a championship here or he stays here and doesn't win a championship. I believe Damian's, Damian Lillard's ranking of these four scenarios are one, win a championship in Portland. Two, win a championship elsewhere. Three, stay in Portland and don't win it. And then the last thing he wants to do is leave and not win it elsewhere. Because then what was the point, right? So yeah. the, the fact that the second choice is to go somewhere else and win a championship and end his career with a ring and not be looked upon like Charles Barkley or Tracy McGrady or Patrick Ewing or Carl Malone. I don't think Damian wants to be in that, that tier of great Hall of Fame players who didn't quite win the title <clears throat> is an indication that he definitely could leave because if he has to choose between I'm going to stay in Portland and never win a t- title or leave and have a better chance to win one, I think he's going to take that scenario. And I, I, you know, to me, this season is going to tell us a lot about where they are in next offseason because it's possible they could struggle this season, be 500, be in the play and lose, but then in the offseason, pull off some monumental trade that keeps Damien happy and then he stays and then the Blazers are contenders. But if that can't be done and it wasn't done this summer, not, not without trying, then at some point, Dame's definitely going to want out. So we'll, well see. one thing I'll also say too that's different about Dame compared to like, you know, the Malones and um, the Barclays is that. Dame has been in a tough situation and he hasn't been able to, you know, be in the finals and has been, you know, having these struggles the last few years in a tough situation compared to like, you know, Trace McGrady, who was riding the bench of the Spurs at the end of his career, trying to get a ring. And Carl Malone, who was, you know, latching on to the Lakers at the end of his career, trying to get a championship. Like Dame has been, Dame has been ringless because he's really been trying to make it work here. And And it's not to say that, you know, Malone didn't try that in Utah or, you know, McGrady didn't try that in Houston, but those guys just went about it differently at the end of their careers. And I don't know if I see Dame as one of those guys that's going to just join on one of those teams at the tail end of his career to try to get that ring. I think he's just really trying to make a worker so bad and he's in a much more tougher situation um, than a lot of those other guys too. I, it depends on the age and where he is. If he's still elite, I think he's going to want to go somewhere where he's at least the first or second best player on the team. If he's yeah. no longer elite, <clears throat> I think he'd go somewhere where he's a, the third or fourth because as the point guard, you still control the ball. So maybe he doesn't score 30. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think Dame scores 30 on a championship team anyway. To me, if Dame is scoring 30 a game, you're not winning the championship. If Dame's scoring 23 a game and getting eight or nine assists and he has better players around him who, who pick up some of that scoring slack, then he's going to have a chance to win it. So if he goes yeah. to a team like that, it's like, okay, Dame, you're not the number one player, or number two player, number three, but you're the point guard, so you get to run the show. And you've got elite talent around you, so you're going to get eight, eight, nine, ten assists per game, and you can still score 20. He's a 20 and 10 guy. Then I think that would be good enough for him, even if it means jumping the bandwagon. Like, let's say, let's say fast forward and you still had Kawhi and Paul George in LA, and they just can't get over the hump, and then they're able to get Dame, and Dame has to basically be the orchestrator with those two guys being the two lead guys. I think Dame would definitely do that because at the end of the day, I think he wants that ring. Absolutely, 100%. He does not want to retire without a ring. I don't believe for a second that he would want that at all. And if that means leaving, then he's going to leave. Anyway, 
He got that gold medal, man. And when he got that gold medal, I, I saw the smile on his face. Man, I, I like the smile on his face when I saw him with that gold medal. I was like, ah, yeah, he wants to win, man. He wants oh, to win yeah. a championship. So yeah, I, I get it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, he falls in the tier of those guys who you say, you know, this is an elite all-NBA caliber player who is championship worthy, but he has to have the right type of team around him in part because he's, you know, he's a small guard and not many teams win championships led by their best player being a small guard. Curry did it. Isaiah Isaiah Thomas did it. Those are the only two really in the last 50 years that have done it. Um, So he needs the right type of team around him. I'm not sure this is the right type of team. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Okay. Let's move on to the Eastern conference. Um, and we'll, then we'll circle back with our overall bigger predictions involving the Blazers as in terms of uh, who's going to win the conference. But Bucks are the defending champions. We talked a little bit about whether or not we think they can repeat. You definitely do, of course, but you would say that anyway. So your point is completely irrelevant. Just kidding. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. As well, my point will be irrelevant on the Bulls, which I'm going to get to in a minute um, since I'm a Bulls fan. But all right. I've said this to you before. I'm going to say it again. The Bucks only won the title because the Nets were injured. I think that's pretty much almost a fact. That said, there's no reason to believe the Nets aren't going to be injured again. <laughs> and one of their best players may not even be around. As of right now, he can't play in most games because Kyrie Irving refuses to take the COVID-19 vaccine. So they're already starting out with drama and issues. And so that coupled with the fact that there really isn't another team in the East that I think matches up well with the Bucks, other than Philadelphia. And they are dealing with major drama with Ben Simmons, who today was kicked out of practice by Doc Rivers and is suspended for the first game, which is, to me, like, ridiculous. Like, this is far bigger than the first game. If he's showing up to practice in sweats, not wearing a uniform, has a cell phone in his pocket and just walking through the motions and then refusing to get into drills, right? And has already said he doesn't want to be there. And now Joel MB is saying, I don't even care about that guy, blah, blah, blah. That is a complete cluster. So here's what I'm going to say. As of right now, the only team in the East I think can mess with the Bucks would be Philly, if they can pull off a big Ben Simmons trade that actually keeps them status quo. And that's a big if right now. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs right now in the Eastern Conference between. <laughs> it's a circus. Philly. I mean, it's it's crazy compared to like the Western Conference because Philadelphia depends on what the hell is going to happen with this Ben Simmons situation, which honestly, we have no clue how that's going to end. And this is one of the most unique situations, I think, in NBA history where you have a guy that they want to trade and that doesn't want to be there, but they cannot pull off any trade that's going to give them the value that they want to be able to stay where they are or even make them better in the Eastern Conference. And they're in a win-now mode. So they're not like they're training a superstar and rebuilding. Like They're in win-now mode. And there's nothing that they can get in a trade that's going to make them better. But they also have a dude that does not want to be there and does not want to play for them and is getting kicked out of practice and is getting... like. It's causing all these types of chaos. And I just don't know what I don't know what's gonna happen. I think the only thing you can do if you're Philly at this point is obviously trade him because that situation is it's only getting worse and I have no clue how it ends. Like I genuinely have zero clue what is gonna happen. Um so that and then you also look at Brooklyn with you know, not having Kyrie Irving and whether or not he's gonna get vaccinated or not, that hinges a lot on their success too. I still think Brooklyn, even without Kyrie, is they, they they are in the the conversation to oh, make yeah. the final still. And I still think they'll still be they'll, they'll still definitely be competition. I think for the Bucks as well. They I mean they pushed us far last season. So um, Brooklyn is definitely always in that conversation. I will say the Heat. I do. I think the Heat are still really good. And adding Kyle Lowry, adding PJ Tucker um, to their team this offseason was a really. I think both of those moves are really great and really smart for them. So um, I think Miami is also another team that's going to be better this year. Maybe the Knicks. The Knicks are still, I think, going to be good. They're crazy enough. The Knicks don't have any drama right now, and we've always become accustomed to the Knicks having so much drama all the time. But um, the Knicks, maybe the Hawks. I think the Hawks could be better, but also I wouldn't be surprised if the last season was just a one-year thing for them as well. So, um, other than that, I think Chicago would be better. Charlotte would be better. Indiana would be better. Washington would be worse. Boston, I have no clue where they're going to go. I think they'll be 
a little bit better than last year. They'll be around the conversation, but they won't. I don't think they'll do anything that's going to supplant them higher um, in the East right now. So the Eastern Conference is really a mess right now. And I think that the Bucks still having the core three guys that we have and Drew, Chris, and Giannis. Um, I, I still think the Bucks right now are – they're not getting talked about it as, enough, as much as they probably should in terms of them being able to repeat. But I do think the Bucks do have a very solid chance at being able to repeat and certainly – um, take the Eastern Conference this year too. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you just said there. I mean, there's some teams that are mystery teams. Are they going to rise like Atlanta and the Knicks, or are they going to fall? Boston was a huge disappointment last year because they had gone to the Eastern Conference Finals the year before and then fell off big time. I, I still can't understand exactly what happened there, but they've re, you know restructured their roster a little bit, so they'll be a threat. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, but for me, the most stable, functioning team is the defending NBA champions, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. Everyone else in the conference has huge question marks in terms of, are they going to improve? Are players going to be around? <laughs> are they going to have drama? <laughs> so I, I just have to stick with the Bucks right now. But I will say, if Kyrie takes the vaccine and he's playing and those guys are healthy, they're unbeatable. Like I, I think that trio is absolutely unbeatable. They would have they walked right through Phoenix like Phoenix wasn't even there. Um, but that's just a big if there. And those guys are aging too. The Durant's approaching, or is he 33? Harden's up there too. They're all over 30. They're, they're both aging. Yeah. So, you know, you never know. Are they going to continue to break down? So we'll see. But so we both agree. We're, we're going to pick the Bucks <clears throat> in the East. We're going to agree on that with me saying if Kyrie plays and they're healthy, the Nets are going to win it. But I can't trust any of that. I have a question for you. How do you think the situation in Brooklyn is going to end with Kyrie this year too? I have no idea. I, I kind of feel like at the end of the day, he's going to take it. Like, I, I think it, I think once – the I, here's what I think is going to happen. At some point, he's going to take the vaccine and say he did his research and he feels better about it. And I know he says he wants to be the voice for the voiceless, which just – Which is ridiculous. Which is it's just so exhausting to even have to waste brain cells trying to even address that. The people he is talking about – the voiceless who don't want to take it are the same, not in all, but most of them are the same people who said it was a hoax and wasn't that big a deal. And this is all this government conspiracy and Fauci invented the, the virus because he wants to control people and don't wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. Like it's just, I'm just over even talking about that segment of the population. They have, they can do whatever they want. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. If you don't want to get vaccinated, fine. Don't get vaccinated. Just stay away from me <laughs> and we'll be fine. But yeah. Just stay away, yeah. Um, and just keep and keep monitoring the hospitals and note that 95% of the people dying of COVID are, are unvaccinated. But so I just think eventually, and this he's turning, he's got a lot of money coming to him the next two seasons. I don't think this is a a cause where it's worth him to give up 80 something million dollars over the next two years because he refuses to get vaccinated. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I don't believe he has the willpower to do that. <clears throat> I think eventually he's going to get it and just say he did his research, he feels better about it. So. And then we'll just see if they can stay healthy. But until that happens, I'm going to go with you on the Bucks. Now, my Bulls, I, I just got to talk about my Bulls for a minute. Woo, they looked good in the preseason. Man, but they played their dudes all four games, and they looked really good. But it was preseason, and other teams didn't play their dudes as much. I was shocked that they were all out there playing that last preseason game, too. Like, they were playing that game like that was a real game. But Lonzo Ball is about to take a huge step. Zach Levine is going to be an MVP candidate because he's never had this much talent around him before, ever. And in, and in the preseason, you could tell – the teams had to worry about DeRozan and Vucevic and Ball and the Caruso coming off the bench. And, and Levine just had way more open space to work with. He, so I, I just want, all I want as a Bulls fan is just make the playoffs. I'm not going to be greedy, but I, I do think they potentially could be a 51 team in the interesting Eastern Conference. But we'll see. Okay, let's get to our final predictions for the Eastern Conference and Western Conference and the, to pick the immediate finals participants. Uh, the West, to me, comes down to health, as it did last year. I think the Lakers, on paper, are by far the best all-around team. As long as LeBron, AD, and Westbrook are healthy, that's going to be a very, very difficult trio for anyone to beat. I don't care about the, the lack of so-called shooting as much because all those guys are so great going to the basket. They're going to be a really good rebounding team, a pretty big team. They're going to get a lot of second chances, second chance points here and there. And LeBron is going to be able to save himself all season because he's going to let Westbrook just run around like, like, a, like a man possessed, which is what he does, which I think is going to take a lot of pressure off of LeBron, provide him with a lot of nights where he can kind of just, just 
glide through the process and then be dominant in spots and then save himself for the end of the season. But I still think it's going to be tough for them to remain healthy because that's just where they are in their life. AD's hurt every other year, it seems like. LeBron is up there in age, 37, I think now. And Westbrook, you know, he's still a firecracker, but he's getting up there in age as well. So I just don't think they're going to have the legs at the end of the season. I would love to pick Denver, but Jamal Murray could miss the entire season. He might be back late. If he's back and healthy and ready to go, I do think that the 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 group of Jokic, Murray, if he's healthy, Michael Porter Jr., and Aaron Gordon is the best foursome in the NBA. That might be saying a lot, but I do think they are. Golden State's going to be interesting with Clay, but I got I have to see Clay perform yet. I do not at all buy Dallas. I do not at all buy the Pelicans rising. They're not going to rise. The Clippers are going to be without Kawhi for a long time. Phoenix. I don't think Phoenix would have gone to the finals last year if not for the injuries in the West. I think Chris Chris Paul is destined for another injury at some point. Blazers are what they are, fourth seed probably. So I'm going to go with the Lakers if they're healthy. But if they're not healthy, I got to go with the team that had the best record in the league last year. And that's Utah, unless Murray comes back. Did I give you enough variables, enough caveats, enough outs? Did I hedge the fence enough for you there, Giannis? Are, are, are on in the West? Did I hedge enough for you there? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, you know, I do like Denver a lot too, but, you know, not having Murray is a big deal. And so, and in general, like, I, I do like Denver as a roster still, but I, I find it hard for them to make it that far without him. The Lakers, I think, are going to be really good. I do like the Lakers probably as my pick for the Western Conference. They, a lot of them, a lot of it hinges on, I think, their health. And LeBron and Westbrook are certainly getting older, but I'm more so concerned about Anthony Davis's health and him being pretty fragile the last few years. Um, I think LeBron will be fine, even with his age. Um, and Westbrook will be good, I think, for this year. Um, I have concerns about you know the long term of the last few years of his career, but I still think right now the Lakers are probably the team that I would go with right now in the West. I'm really excited for Golden State because Klay Thompson is coming back, but... I don't know what he's going to look like right away and what his minutes are going to be like and things like that, especially as the season goes on. So I want to pick Golden State, but I'm going to go with the Lakers. I think the Lakers right now are um, the team that even with, you know, some of the older guys on their roster, I still think that they are pretty much the main guy, main team to watch for this year. I want to believe in Utah. I want to believe in Phoenix, but it's tough for me to see Phoenix getting back to where they were last year. They were so good last year. And I really don't know if it's, easy for them to replicate that same success this year. So as much as I would like to see Phoenix be good again and Chris Paul be back in the finals again, I, I, it's hard for me to see that. Dallas is going to be worse than last year because Jason Kidd is not a better coach than Rick Carlisle. Hater. The Clippers are going to be hurt. I'm not a hater. <laughs> I'm he coached the Bucks. Truth. He coached uh, the Bucks, so you're down on him. But you're not wrong. <laughs> well, well, it's not even it's not even like that. Like Jason Kidd just is not a good coach. Right. Like He should not be. It's crazy that he's had three different head coaching opportunities for nothing. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the Clippers, uh, the Clippers are going to be without Kawhi for uh, uh, for an extended point. Memphis is going to be probably better, but I don't see them really climbing up any higher. And then New Orleans, Sacramento, Minnesota—they're probably going to be in the same spots as last year. Same with the Spurs, Rockets, and all that. So, Lakers are my pick in the Western Conference. I think that they're going to get back there. Hopefully, they stay healthy, and if they do, I think they'll be right back in the finals. Okay, if they're healthy, I agree with you. If not, I'm going with Utah. All right, in the West, excuse me, in the East. The defending champion Bucks. You will remind everyone you come across that they are the defending champions by carrying that trophy around. Probably, I don't blame you. I'll, I'll, I'll let it slide this time. But can they repeat? Can they get back to the finals? I'm going to do the same thing I did in the West. Hedge my bets as much as possible. To me, Brooklyn, if healthy, would have won the title last year. They were not, and now you got Kyrie drama with the vaccine. If he's unable to play or doesn't play this season, they're not going to beat the Bucks. I don't believe, because something's going to happen with Harden or Durant. I guess just the math just says it's going to be that way. Philadelphia could be a threat, but the Ben Simmons fiasco was an absolute circus, so I'm not going to pick them, obviously. So I'm going to go with the Bucks to repeat as Eastern Conference champions, unless Kyrie gets the vaccine and the Nets stay healthy. Knicks are interesting. Atlanta's interesting. The Bulls made a lot of moves. They're going to be interesting and fun to watch. Miami as well, getting Lowry, that was a huge pickup. But I just, the Bucks are the most cohesive together, um, combination of cohesion, togetherness, overcoming adversity, they've proven they can do that. 
They have one of the best three players in the league, and they've done it. And that, that level of confidence and their ability to do it is going to be there. And they're, you know, Giannis does have a, a knee issue, I think, that may, but, but it isn't serious, right? It's just a little thing, right? It's still from just the hangover from last yeah, year. I think so, it, they're just naturally like rehabbing it with Yeah, them. so there might be some load management there, but nothing that's a big deal. So when you take everything into totality, there's no reason to not pick the Bucks. But if the Nets are healthy and Kyrie's there, they're going to win the East. That's a fair pick. I think the Bucks right now in the Eastern Conference are the one team without any chaotic drama uh, from the top three teams of last year. So, you know, Philadelphia with this Ben Simmons situation going on to Brooklyn and Kyrie, you just don't know if Kyrie is going to be available. You just don't even know what his long-term projection is with this team right now. So I think Harden and Durant, the, the Nets are still good enough to win a championship. And I still, I actually have, you know, Durant as, you know, an MVP candidate. So I think Brooklyn can certainly do that. Um, but a, a lot of them getting past the Bucks to me is all dependent upon if Kyrie's available or not. And so with that said, you know, I think the Bucks are probably going to be the team to get back. I, I think that they can get back to the finals and uh, play against the Lakers. And uh, that game might go, or that series might go to six or seven. Um, but I, I do have the Bucks coming out of the East right now because even beyond that, you know, the Knicks are good and they don't have any drama this year, which is odd. And the Hawks are good, but I also wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks were just, you know, really good last year. And then they had that one long playoff run and they just don't make it back right now. The Heat are the one team that I will say I do think will challenge Milwaukee as well. Um, I really do like Kyle Lowry for them. And I do like them getting P.J. Tucker, even though it's heartbreaking that they got P.J. Tucker in a way from Milwaukee. So, but the Heat are, I, I think they're really, um, they're really going to be tough competition for them. I think they'll be much better this year, too. And then Boston is like you don't. I just don't know where Boston is going to be at all. I think Boston is going to be in the middle of the conference, but I don't know where that team is is headed right now. From the roster to um, them, them in the standings and all that, Washington would be worse. Indiana would be somewhat the same, or maybe a little bit better. Charlotte would probably be better, but nothing too serious just yet. Chicago will be better. I'll give you credit on that because the Bulls are. I think the Bulls are going to be more exciting to watch this year, so they should be better too. But none of those other teams are going to be teams that are going to, I think, challenge Milwaukee for um, the spot in the East. So my team right now is the Bucks again. I think the Bucks are going to get right back to the finals. I think they have, you know, they have co- cohesion. They have you know the same three big that they had last year. So I think I'm picking Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference. And so if it were Milwaukee Lakers in the finals and everyone's healthy, who would you pick? Man, that's going to be a tough series. I probably will say Bucks and Six again. Oh, and come I, on. I know the it Lakers sounds like the Lakers are healthy. They're going to smash I, the Bucks. I know it sounds like such a homer pick yeah, absolutely. to do, but I do think that the Bucks are going to. Okay, I'll say. I know. I think. The, I really think that series could probably go to seven. If the Lakers are healthy, seven or the Lakers are healthy, you think that goes seven? I think it can go to seven. I think it could. Um, and who wins it? Uh. Say Lakers. I think the Bucks can repeat. I think the Bucks can repeat, but it's. I don't really have. I. I don't know. I think I, I can see it both ways. Honestly, it's it's tough, but I think that that series would go to seven. And if you had to pick right now, I'd probably will pick the Bucks to repeat. Okay. I think that's the safest. I think picking the Bucks to repeat right now, given the current status of the Easter Conference, um, and also just the you know all the storylines that are going on right now. I think that's the safest pick to go with is the Bucks repeating, which isn't really getting talked about a lot. No, I agree with you 100% because everyone else has major issues either with injuries or problem children like Ben Simmons. So, yeah, I think it's the safest pick. So, I'm with you, unfortunately. But if the Lakers are healthy, they're not, they're not losing to the Bucks in the finals. Uh, MVP pick. Who's going to be MVP of the league this year? I am going with Giannis or KD. Giannis or KD? Okay, I'm gonna go with one uh, of those guys. If I had to pick, if I had to pick one person, I'll probably will pick Giannis though. Right. I'm gonna go with uh, Doncic this year because I do think he'll have Dallas at least in the middle of the pack in the West to warrant MVP consideration, and I think he's gonna continue to improve. Like I think he's gonna improve his three point shooting this year. His turnovers might come down a little bit, and I I think this is his time. Was he fourth last year? I think in MVP voting. I can't remember. But I'm going with Doncic as MVP, uh, Jokic second, then then Giannis. I, I kind of feel like Giannis might take a step back, not in performance, but in just overall numbers because they've won a title and there might be some more managing going on there. At least I would manage him more 
and uh, maybe his numbers might dip a little bit. You want to save him for the playoffs, but he's still pretty young, so maybe they won't do that, and that's just me. We'll see, but I kind of think we might see a little bit of a drop-off. His numbers did actually drop off from two years ago to last year like, a little bit, his total points, rebounds, and assists, etc. But anyway, it didn't matter because in the playoffs, he was a beast. So anyway, I'm going with Luca. And I still think they probably expect to give him some limits in some way because of him coming back from his knee injury still where his knee literally bent backwards and we had to watch that. And then <laughs> I don't expect him to come right back. And cause he didn't get like, I don't believe he got like surgery or anything like that. So, um, so they probably are going to be pretty safe with him early on and save him for the postseason. Okay. All right. Last thing before we go, what you, what's your final call and prediction on Ben Simmons? Stays all season with Philly or is traded before the All-Star break or before the trade deadline? They trade him before the All-Star break. I think that at this point, Maury is just like, there's nothing that, I think they are going to realize there's nothing else that they can do. He doesn't want to play there and the haul that they want to get. Ultimately, it's their fault. They should have traded him when they had the opportunity to do so and make a move, which was last offseason. Which is really crazy to think about the fact that they potentially could have just had James Harden for Ben Simmons. But they had a chance to move him last offseason to a whole bunch of different teams and they chose not to. And now they're stuck in this position. And now they're going to have to take the, now they're just going to have to reap what's left and, and, and take whatever they can get. And that's their own fault at this point. So I think they're going to trade him before the all-star break. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him in the next few weeks and just sit him out until they're ready to, to move him. Um, but I think that's, that's how the situation ends. I don't see him playing another game for them, and I don't see him being around that team for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think they hoped that he would come to camp, he'd play well, maybe reestablish some value, and then be able to move him. But now it's to the point, especially with this, I mean, he, I mean, he did cave and report because that money is getting fine. He's like, I can't be just giving away money. I can just show up and do nothing and get money, right? <laughs> Uh, so he showed up, but he's a disruption. He, he's, he's a, he's a negative. At, at some point, it's addition by subtraction. And the, the fact is you can still get some really good talent for him, just not what you thought you were going to get. And that's on you for how everyone handled the whole situation. That's every, that's on every, as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's a baby. He's immature. He needs to grow up. He'll look back at this era when he's 35 and go, damn, I was a child which most people do when they're 35. You look back at yourself at 25 and go, damn, I was, I was a child, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, he'll regret some things, but at the end of the day, they knew who he was. They knew he was sensitive. They knew he was a little bit immature. They treated him like garbage. They put the blame totally on his shoulders, which was ridiculous because Joel Embiid had eight turnovers in that game. Your center had eight turnovers in game seven, uh, but let's all blame everything on Ben. And so now you just have to say, okay, we're better off with Ben not being in the building. But instead of just not having been in the building, I can get somebody. Even if it's a straight-up trade for CJ, which I'm not sure the Blazers would do at this point, unless they have a sit-down with Ben Simmons and say, you know, are you going to be coachable? Are you going to come here and learn? Et cetera, et cetera. But if that's, all, if that's what you can get now, when you thought you could get more later, you take that. You're an idiot if you don't. If you could get CJ McCollum right now for Ben Simmons and you don't do that, I just don't even know what you're thinking at this point because that would just be more than probably what you should get given how he's conducting himself. So... If I'm if I'm more a, I'm out there like okay what's the best offer come and get him give me give me a I need at least a starter he doesn't have to be an all star preferably he's a borderline all star forget all that pick nonsense just give me another really good player because now if I'm going C J Tobias Harris and ben, and Joel Embiid I'm feeling good about myself as opposed to going no C J no Ben Simmons because I can't trust them and just Embiid and Tobias so anyway I think it's gonna happen any any time between. The next hour or the trade deadline? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if... If it's like, already happened right now while started. we're talking, right? <laughs> right, because as soon as he left out of practice, I think they're already just like, yep, this is not going to work and we're going to have to do this right now. Yeah, if he's acting like that in the practice, what, what kind of effort do you think he's going to give in a game? If you put him in a game and he doesn't care about being there and he wants out, then he's not going to care about winning or losing. No. And he's such... He's, he's not so going to the effort. Right, he's so mature that he's going to give you maybe 75% effort. If he has a breakaway layup, he's going to make the layup. If he has to make a, a great play against tough defense, he's just not going to do it. He's going to give up the ball to someone else and you handle it. You know, If he's got one-on-one situation and the guy is going to the basket, he'll block the shot. 
But if he's getting picked and he has to fight around the screen to make an effort, he's not going to do that. He's going to let the doing. guy have the shot. He's just not, he's not going to, it'll be a half effort. He'll do the thing they do. I, I love NBA players when they're lazy or they're tired or whatever and they just stick their arm out. <laughs> yeah, like when a shot, like when they miss an assignment and there's a guy right up before three and they kind of jog out there and just put their hand up. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm just, I'm letting everyone know that I, this was my guy and I blew it. Yeah. But like LeBron, done- LeBron will stand on the key and the guy will be wide open. He'll stick his arm like he's, like I'm kind of going over there, but not really. But yeah, like right. Ben Simmons will be doing a lot of that and letting people shoot it well. So you can't, <laughs> so you can't play him. He's going to cost no, you it's, games. It's yeah, and then you also just have the risk of ruining trade value if he gets hurt or something like that. And that's I, I really feel like they're Great probably point. just going to. I feel like they're just going to approach it similar to how New Orleans did years ago with Anthony Davis, where they're just going to be like, "Yo, if you want to get out of here, all right, we're just going to trade you, but you're not going to play. We're yeah. not going to put you out here and risk you getting hurt. You're not going to." ruin the chemistry that we have with our team we're moving on and you're going to sit over here on the sideline while we figure this out i think that's what's going to happen right now until they be able to trade something and like you said i think that at this point all they can all that more you can hopefully get right now is a starter and a couple of picks i think that's what they can get but like three first round picks and like a house in texas and like all these other things that he wants to get that's just not happening at this point man people are seeing all these different things that are going on they just his value is going down going down so at this point, they just have to get a starter, a couple of picks, and move on. And that's what they got to do. That's that's the only thing they can do right now. Yeah, I agree. I I would I wouldn't even worry about the picks to be honest with you. I would just take a a borderline all star. Like I wouldn't trade him. Like I wouldn't trade him for Norman Powell. Right? You'd have yeah. to at least give me CJ. But I'm not but like borderline upside, borderline right. all star, but like some upside. Yeah, like you know, if Pelicans offered Brandon Ingram straight up. Done. Um, I'm trying to think of other teams. I heck if. Milwaukee probably wouldn't do this, but if Milwaukee offered Middleton straight up, done. Toronto offers Siakam straight up, which was a rumored discussion, done. Um, Boston offers Jalen Brown. If Boston likes Ben Simmons, if I'm, I don't know if Boston would do that, but if Boston likes Ben Simmons and they're ready to move off of Brown, done. I wouldn't even think about it. If Miami's going to give me Tyler Hero and something else, I'd probably consider doing that as well. Um, just take what you can get and move forward because addition by subtraction plus I get a solid player. Then, then you're you're golden. So anyway, we'll and, see what happens. And when and when all and when all fails, just trade him to Sacramento. They can trade him for like Buddy Hield for Halliburton and Harrison Barnes. Yeah, like that's that's what can happen. You just throw a deal, dude. You get two shooters, which they need shooters around Embiid and Tobias Harris. That that's a legit deal. I would do that. I think that's the. I think that was one of like the better options, like the best option yeah. they kind of have. It's like a Buddy Hill deal. They want De'Aaron Fox, which Sacramento's not willing to do. And they probably don't want to yeah. give up Halliburton. Although I give up Halliburton because I find Halliburton and Fox to be a little bit redundant. But I do Halliburton. But yeah, if they offered Buddy Hill and, and and Harrison Barnes, I'd be like, I, I, I get defense too because Barnes plays solid defense when he wants to. Um, so yeah, I would do that deal as well. I, I think that's probably the best they're going to do at this point. And that means yeah. also that CJ for Ben would be in play. I think if. Neil O'Shea and Damian Willard and Chauncey are willing to take on that reclamation project. But I think right now, I think they're leery of that. And I think they're going to stand pat and see how things go. But if things aren't going well and Ben Simmons is still available, I think that will be revisited. So anyway, that's all I got. You got anything? No, nothing else. Nothing uh, else? I'm excited. I'm excited about this basketball season. I'm excited to, you know, obviously, you know, be able to be a defending champion in a way. But I'm just excited about all the different storylines. I mean, a lot of them are obviously crazy, like Kyrie Irving not showing up, this Ben Simmons thing. But when you just look at the around the league right now, there's there's a lot to be excited about. It's it's fun to see the Lakers again be good and to um, you know, see Russell Westbrook in a Lakers jersey. And it's good to see teams like Denver and Phoenix still and um Chicago. Like I know I'm not like a Chicago person because I'm from Milwaukee, but I'm excited to see the Bulls this year. I'm excited to see so many of the young draft picks, Kate Cunningham, obviously, Jalen Green. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot to be excited about this year. And I'm really excited for it to come back around because, you know, we're still in this pandemic and you know having sports has been therapeutic to kind of get away from the realities of what's going on. But you know, having basketball back during the week in addition to football right now, it's a good time to have sports. And so I'm really excited for the basketball season to be back and watch all the storylines this year. Yeah, and one of the greatest things the NBA has ever done over the past three or four decades, dating back to when they really started pushing the Magic Bird rivalry, was creating characters, creating drama, and making it more of just a sport, but also theatrical. 
and yeah. look around the league. There's so like there's there's good guys and there's villains and there's comeback stories and there's all this like there's so many different great storylines from an individual standpoint, which leads to great storylines from a team standpoint. Like tonight, Lakers, Warriors play tonight. You know, Clay Thompson. I think Clay, I think Clay's I think Clay's gonna miss. I think he's missing a little bit of the first start of the season, but you got the new look Lakers, you got the Warriors with Steph Curry, you know, basically two of the premier franchises in all the NBA going. And there's just a lot of little storylines there. And then your Bucks playing the Nets, the team they beat in seven games last year with Kyrie sitting out, but now you got Harden back in, you know, in shape with Durant going against the Bucks. Like there's just so many different storylines and drama there. It just makes it, it just makes it fun. So yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be a, a fascinating season. For sure. All right. That is it for the Blazer-focused podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress. He's Aran Johannes. And we will be back again next week. Maybe not with Aran, but we will get him on at some point during the season. Because you, you love doing this, right? When you have the time? Absolutely. Like I love, I love talking about basketball. It's fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're you know from Chicago. I'm from Milwaukee. You're a Bears and Bulls fan. I'm a Bucks and Packers fan. But we're able to have we're, we're able to have so much fun. And, we're uh, able to have civility. And, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And have fun and, and, and talk about sports. I always enjoy it. But because of the pandemic, we haven't met yet. So maybe the, maybe when we meet, when we're in front of each other, just like natural instinct will take over and we'll just be wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that might be the case, man, because I have a cheese head that I'm really aware. I got all my okay, if you, if you show up around me with a cheese head and that trophy, we're rumbling. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got both of them right now with me, so I'll be there. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Please click the subscribe button and uh, give us a rating. We'd appreciate that. And we'll be back with more regular scheduled episode well, not regularly scheduled but every week we will have a blazer focused podcast during the season and we'll catch you next time <laughs>